0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch Around Table Freeform Discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers on Blizzard Watch And I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today First up, he knows shaman, he knows lore He would be Joe Perez Hey Joe, how's it going? Well, it's going pretty okay, how about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good um, Also with us is a dude who loves warriors and also loves war And that would be Matt Rossi Hey Rossi, how's it going? Uh, lore, not war. I don't actually wage war on anybody. I I
2: said, I said lore. Did I not enunciate? They they sound very close. You're going to always make sure people know. Yeah. Especially when you have warriors in front of it. You you got to make sure.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this is episode one of weekly lore watch. We're actually really excited about this. Um, If you're listening to this on Patreon, you'll still be getting every episode every Sunday as per usual. Um, Right after we finish recording, I do the edits and I throw it up online. Um, If you're listening to this on the later feed instead of getting it every other monday you're going to be getting lore watch every wednesday from now on so congratulations and thank you to those that chose to support us via Patreon and help this all come to pass. By the way, if you'd like to throw some support our way, you can go to Blizzard Watch, or excuse me, Patreon.com slash BlizzardWatch and help support the show there. Uh, I think we're still working on the secondary goal. The secondary goal is our D&D stream. We'll be doing more of those. How many more? Don't know. But if we hit that goal, that will happen. Um, regardless, that kind of wraps up all of the the pre-stuff because we have a lot to talk about and I'm pretty sure we're gonna need to do the weekly show because we're not gonna get through everything in one episode because uh, 8.2.5 dropped <laughs> just, you know, on the, on the list of things that that happened um, not only did it drop but there was uh, the wrap-up to the war campaign which included a full-blown cinematic, like full-blown, we're talking like quality, quality cinematic that was about, what, six minutes? It was over six minutes long. Yeah, about that, yeah. A little bit over six minutes. Um, And while we did in fact wrap up the war campaign, there were some things that did not get wrapped up. However, this week we're going to talk about the stuff that did get wrapped up, and we're going to talk about the characters involved and what happened. Um, Next week, we will be discussing the stuff that didn't happen. Like, um, hey, where the heck is Tyrande in all of this because we have have things to say about that. I think we all have things to say Mm -hmm. about that. Um, For now, though, uh, what we saw here, obviously, you guys, if you haven't played through all of the war campaign, we're going to be talking spoilers for it, so uh, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, stop right now go log in game, play through the end of the war campaign, and then come back. It doesn't take very long, and they removed the requirement for the Nazartar part of the war campaign. You don't have to level the little dude to level 3 anymore. You could just go do it. Um, which makes things a lot easier. Uh, I was able to go through on my Horde alt in like an hour and a half, a couple hours, and get everything taken care of. Um, regardless, I think it's really interesting here where Saurfang's journey has gone. And I also think it's really interesting here because we definitely did not get a Garrosh 2.0. That was not what we got here. Um, it seemed like it was leading up to it, even to the point where we were approaching the gates of Orgamar, and it felt very much like what was going on again. Um, you guys have played through, correct? Yes. Just Lion side, but yeah. Okay. And Joe, I take it you've played through the horde side?
1: I've played through the Horde side. Um, I've watched videos and plays with the Alliance side because I'm nowhere near completed on the, the war campaign on the Alliance side.
0: Okay. I checked out both sides of it and um, it was really kind of fascinating from the Horde perspective because a lot of the NPCs and stuff that you talk to when you go into that final scenario, you can you could stop in between quests and you could talk to any named NPCs that you happen to find. Um, they all have things to say. One of them... Maya High Mountain, in particular kind of punched me in the gut because she said that G was not there. G's the Horde representative for the Pandaren on on the Wandering Isle. Um, And if you remember the Siege of Orgrimmar, you remember what happened to G in the Siege of Orgrimmar. And Maya says very specifically, G is in Thunder Bluff. He's seen the city invaded once before, and he does not wish to experience it again. And I was just like, break my heart, you guys. Come on. Okay. Anyway, uh what we saw here though it wasn't Garrosh 2.0 it was much more to me I think it felt like a personal journey it was like Saurfang's journey um from where he began like way back when to where he's come to now um what do you guys think about how that was wrapped up with Saurfang you go first Joe
1: conflicted um I th- I don't think it was what I expected, which is always a good thing if you give me something that I don't expect or can't predict. But also, it felt weird to me. Like, it was on brand for the character. Um, A lot of the things he said were, were and the way that the vocalization of it was, was was good. Like the, you know, I, you know, prided myself on living with honor. Have I ever actually done that? Like, that that's sort of like... The that gist,
0: conversation right? that he had with Anduin Wren was pretty significant.
1: Yeah. It was it was very very significant. Like I like everything up to that point, but it also felt it almost felt like a swerve for the for the sake of not being Siege of mar two And it, like I felt like this should have been a thing way before this ever happened. If that makes sense, like him challenging her to uh, the duel, everything that happened, I felt that should have been a little bit earlier. But that said i think it tidied up at least the horde side of things to a certain point the other part that i sort of have a problem with and i think rossi and i talked about this a little bit on twitter is okay so you have a handful of horde that didn't like what was going on and left but everybody else stayed what do you do with that like and that's still like one of those loose ends so it's like it 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 was good but it left me wanting more if that makes sense
0: okay rossi what about Um. you I, I want to
2: talk about the things I thought were really good first. Um, I thought the, the in-game cinematic, the in-game render cinematic with Sarfang and Anduin talking. Sarfang comes off, I think, note perfect. Um, one of the things he does that I've wanted to see a Horde leader do forever is he flat out admits, yes, we did awful things. Um, we were terrible
0: going, people and the yeah. Horde was founded on terrible things.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. like from the from the from the Path of Glory on through like the, you know... The invading horde through Black Hand, through Doomhammer, and he puts it on Doomhammer, which is something they need to do more often. Orgrimmar is named after a war criminal. Yep. And it, it's the the legacy of the horde that the horde has preserved all this time is not always great. And the fact that he, he admits it, he comes out and he puts examples. He says, So the effect of, you know, we talk about honor. Have we ever displayed honor? All good things. Anduin comes off a little weaker. Uh, Anduin's idea of you know well we've done bad things too and it's like no dude this isn't a competition you don't need to jump in there and try to say but we're bad too, just listen to the man talk.
1: Yeah, I'll he's, agree with that
2: He's telling you something I feel this... like
0: Anduin in that moment was trying to reassure Sourfang, but there was yeah. no reassuring the guy.
2: Yeah and there's no need to do so because no. Sourfang isn't he's accepted. Wasn't at the point of collapse Yeah, exactly That but the scene where he comes down and he does the bit about you know where you know we're going home and where is our home, and he makes the point that for whatever you want to talk about it, their home is now Azeroth, the the horde, the orcs. This is where they are. When, when Thrall left to go back to Durotar, uh, not to Durotar, to uh, Draenor, he he made a mistake. Going to Outland is not his home. Azeroth is his home. Mm-hmm. And there, there those that whole bit was really good. Um, the bit in the the more i don't know what to call the, the cinematic that's basically this expansion we've gotten four cinematics that are intro cinematic quality we've gotten like literally i think close to like 40 minutes of incredible cinematic oh yeah and this one makes the point there's lots of things about it i liked there's the bit with thrall where he tells thrall you know you and i we don't get to hide which is a it's a refrain from the the previous one the safe harbor one yeah safe Haven, sorry that that's really good um I like that Anduin's like, I I put you on this path. And he goes, then walk
0: it with me. And there's honest to God respect between the two of them now. And he, and he, yeah. Saurfang told him straight out. He said, we both knew where this was going to go, Mm -hmm. where it could go. And there's the moment where Anduin hands
2: him his father's sword. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tear up. I'm going to tear up. Relatively few warriors on Azeroth, I thought, worthy of using that blade. And I will give Sarfang this. Whatever you think of orcs, whatever you think of the horde, Sarfang earned it. Swimming is one of the few warriors that I felt comfortable seeing use that sword and splitting it.
1: Well, that is a really important thing too, isn't it? Yeah. Because like Anduin couldn't do it.
2: No, he split that sword into two. He used it as two weapons the way Varian did. And that's amazing right there. So that's all good. I liked Sylvanas in it, quite frankly. I liked when she comes down and she's like, why should I take your challenge? And she's... Patty Matson does disdain better than I've ever heard so anyone else good. do disdain. She mm-hmm. made... so that was good, too. Ugh. And she is such the, a good voice actress. I can't the, even... The part where his response is simply because you want to make me suffer. Yeah. And he was right. She did. It, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to the cinematic that was extremely well done, uh, well acted. The 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 story makes sense, but... I will say this part of the problem I have with this is quite simply. It's a part of the problem we have in real life history, the missed opportunities of the past, because at the end of Siege of Orgrimmar, we could have gotten here mm-hmm. and we didn't. And that's fine. That's what happens in history. But, you know, like I've said, I think I said on Twitter at one point, but getting mad at world war two for not being original enough. Cause it's, it's just a retreat <laughs> of world war one. Like, no, that's, that's not what's happening. It's not the same, but yeah, we could have avoided all this. History is just
0: as cyclical as narrative stories tend to be.
2: How do you, you can always say we could have avoided this. And there was lots of reasons why they could have avoided this. So that part doesn't bother me so much. But what does bother me is the feeling of not a resolution. Yeah. And there is, to a certain degree, there's a resolution here, but in a way, it's a resolution that feels... Like it leaves more open than it actually solves, and and to a degree, that's that's what you're going to get. This isn't going to get to be clean and tidy. Uh, but honestly, I kind of felt like, to a certain degree, Sylvanas losing her mind in front of Orgrimmar like that just because he got a hit on her is so on brand for Sylvanas now. Yeah. And it's it is exactly what happened with Darnassus.
1: It it fit for me because like he saw that happen, so he knew to do yeah. that, right?
2: It's the whole Toldarasso thing over again. Yeah. He I, knows I if think, I push you the right way, yeah, you'll and, go
0: the way I want. And part of the part of the thing is is like I don't know if it's that he got a hit on her or what he was saying to her, but the combination Both. of the two Yeah pushed her right over the edge. And that well, smile that he gave after she said the Horde is nothing and everybody heard it that smile that Saurfang gave her it was very much a i got you
2: and there's also like one thing that i wanted to talk about i am not a big fan of the wow player base's tendency to grab a minor character and just deify the heck out of it <laughs> i think it's weird but i will say this the, the the animation i want to call it the acting but it's the animation the animation of that forsaken standard oh bear,
1: so beautiful who
2: turns
0: like what there's you not mean? even an expression on their their face is covered by a just, mask the, but all it takes is the turn of the head and those glowing eyes and you get it immediately
2: yeah and it's just it's it's a really interesting callback to what happened at tell with um summer moon it's when when she does the whole thing about hope and how i feel bad for you and Sylvanas lost it. And here, it's having Hope literally hit her in the face. Because that's what happens. He hits her in the face with Hope. He's doing the whole thing about you can't kill Hope. And he does that speech. And it's really well done. The, the, the acting for Sarfang is also good. Um, when he says, you, you tried to, to kill Hope at Teldrassil, but you failed. You tried to get us to kill each other at Lordaeron, but you failed again. You just keep failing and that that delivery to a degree his death was a mercy because I feel, if she really wanted to hurt him she would have let him live
0: I feel Could've... like I feel like Sourfang came full circle here because at the beginning of this expansion what is Sourfang doing he's walking to the alliance to just sacrifice himself for n- nothing for nothing at all he's just he's trying to get the honorable death that he knows he's not going to get like the, it's it's there's literally no reason for it and this time around he's not walking he's still walking to that enemy camp but the reason that he goes there and the reason that he challenges her to the Megora is because he knows he can end all of this stuff in one fight, if he pushes the right buttons. And in doing so, yeah, he's probably going to die, but he's going to save all of those soldiers standing behind him and he's going to save all of those soldiers and all of those citizens that are standing behind the gates of Orgrimmar. And he does it.
2: Yeah, and there's certainly you can't forget that Sorfang is the guy that planned the attack in the first place that started all this. Yeah, And he's the guy who led that attack and he's the guy who's, who attacked Malfurion from behind when Malfurion was going to take Sylvanas out. Yeah. And that's something that really needs to be stated. Sylvanas had no chance against Malfurion. She was going to lose. She could not beat him. She might not even be able to beat him now, even with whatever she's got going on. But Sorfang made that victory for her. Sorfang, was responsible for her and that's the difference that's the thing that we need to see more of that he accepted that too this was this, this was it was when mom. he
0: was yeah when he was walking towards that alliance camp in was it old soldier yeah it was old soldier when he was walking towards that alliance camp he was prepared to just throw in the towel and give himself up and die just because he felt bad about what he had done with this it's him taking responsibility for what he had done and snuffing it out before it had a chance to go any further. And he knew exactly how to do it. Those words that he spoke, everything that he said that, that, like I said, there's so many moments in the cinematic. Y- you were talking about that character, the standard bearer, and how there was that little look to the side. There are so many moments like that in the cinematic. And the thing is, is like, I totally get why they went with a fully rendered cinematic because they could not have done this with just the in-game stuff. They could not have gotten those facial expressions. They couldn't have gotten those little subtle things like that smirk when when Saurfang tells her, you want to make me suffer? She gives this little, there's just this second where she has like this half smile and then she like turns around to get her blades and, and it's all these little tiny subtle moments. But I think that what we saw here with Sour story was just, it was really, it was beautiful and it I put him it. up to the level of, it's... of Brock cigar, his, his brother, Without About being a ripoff of it. Yeah. Well, And I feel like that may be part of Saurfang's story, too, is, you know, he's living under the shadow of this dude who went back in time and struck the only successful blow against Sargeras, right? With oops. the w- wooden axe scenarios and all of that. And he, meanwhile, he's living with all of this tragedy and stuff and can't even get an honorable death. And, and by confronting Sylvanas one on one, that absolutely—I mean, obviously—it didn't make up for everything that he's done in his lifetime, or everything that the Horde has done in their lifetime. No, but, but
2: it's it's similar to what happened to Grom. It's and like, still Grom didn't full. Make up, yeah, yeah. There's it, also it, another didn't make up for everything. Okay, Joe. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, that's fine. I was going to say there's also another important thing about this death of a character that I don't think we've seen in any other major story character or any major P- npc to this mm-hmm. date he got to choose the condition and worth of his death finally yeah and everybody every other npc that we've lost every other person we've lost so far hasn't had any sort of agency in their choice even very entirely
2: true no i'm gonna disagree Ooh. with you about varian
1: okay go ahead and say <laughs> it
2: but i'm gonna disagree with you
1: i was gonna say he made the best choice he could at that exact moment but it wasn't necessarily you know what i mean like it was. It was in that moment he did what he did to let them escape. And it wasn't necessarily like it, it was good, but it wasn't it wasn't something that like, he got to choose what it accomplished beyond that initial I, like thing. You know what I mean?
0: I feel like That's what that, I'm trying to say. I feel like that opening cinematic for Legion where he was writing the letter to Anduin with the locket, Varian knew going into that that he was not gonna come out alive. Maybe. He didn't know how he was gonna die, but he knew it was super unlikely he was going to come out of that alive
2: i would argue that varian's death the way varian approached going to the the broken shore i don't think he knew he was going to die but i think he was prepared to die
0: yeah
1: i would more agree with that
2: i think he he was like i have lived um i've done a lot with my life if the demons are returning and my world is at stake i am prepared to do whatever i have to do to buy my son and the rest of my people a future if that means my death, then that is what it means.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, I, but I think I, that's the difference for me, right? Like, it was a possibility, not a he knew what was going to happen. Here, Sarfing knew he was going to die.
2: Yeah, Sarfing knew he was going to die, but it for this, it, it's still a, a situation where it wasn't about his death. That's the thing. When he tried to throw his life away to get the honorable death, he was denied it because it was the death that was important to him. Right, And here, It wasn't his death that mattered to him. It wasn't his death he was looking for. He didn't go there intending to die. He went there to save.
1: Yeah. See, and that's where that's where I'll disagree a little bit there too. I think he. I don't think he initially went there intending to die. That's my
2: point. I don't think he did. That's what I'm saying. But I didn't go there intending to die.
1: But I think exactly what I'm saying. But I think after he talked with Anduin and after he had that 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 whole epiphany of everything that's happened up to that point with from the initial meeting on he knew what had to happen
0: and he knew that he
1: had to die i think he knew at that i feel
0: like he made his choice when in that cinematic he was looking up at the gates and he told thrall he was like their horde too yep it's not just the people behind me it's the people up there too and that's when and that was the moment that he made that decision
2: yeah, I just I think there is still, though, I think there is a difference between suicide and what he did in that had he survived this, it would not have bothered him. He wouldn't have been unhappy to live. No. Fair. And that's the difference between every time he's tried to do this before, his not having died has almost seemed like a punishment to him. That wouldn't have been the case this time, because had he lived, he would have still done what he he came there to do. He would have accomplished his goal. He would have saved the Lord. And that's ultimately where he was with this. It, it's it's interesting, though, because we're talking a lot about Saurfang. We're not talking about Thrall. And I think yeah. we need to
0: talk about Thrall next, actually. The other thing that I want to point out real quick here, though, before we move to Thrall, is that I, okay, number one, he had Variant sword and he split the sword and all of that. But number two, when Anduin bent down and picked up Saurfang and took him into Orgrimmar. Oh, my God, I'm getting choked up. It was a callback to Ice Crown Citadel to me, because Varian let Saurfang in to take his son after his son was defeated, and and, and let him take his son back to Draenor. Oh,
2: yeah, ultimately Draenor. Yeah.
0: And this was just kind of to me, it like it was like, and now Varian's son is doing the same for you, and yeah, it was just like ah. Ugh, it was so good. Okay. We need to talk about Thrall. Yes, let's talk about Thrall.
2: Go ahead, Rossi. Well, I mean, I mean Joe might want to go first. I don't wanna if you've got something to say I, first, go first. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say I think I think some of the important things we, we were kind of curious, at least what Thrall's role was going to be, and to a certain extent we still are, right? We talked about that before. We don't know we don't know what's going to happen in the aftermath. We're starting to get a little bit of an idea, but there's still a lot more to go and resolve. Uh but when Thrall Is there with Sarfang and Anduin, uh getting prepared to, you know, for Sarfang's duel, you know, Thrall has this real like this realization this moment he knows his friend's going to die. He tells him he's you're going to die. And that that statement again, we don't get the hide, comes up again. And he's faced with this sort of cementing of this idea that he ran away. You know, Thrall's been living with sort of this I don't want to say guilt. um, but a lot no, of this it stuff was happened, guilt i mean you go <laughs> back to
0: you go back to uh the cinematic that happened after you broke bane out and when he had that conversation with Jaina, i i think he's coming to terms with that
1: I, yeah i was gonna say i think he's accepting the weight of the responsibility for what he's done i don't know i, I don't I, that's why i said i don't know, necessarily think guilt's the right word because he i think that has already passed because he's already run away from it but for me, the most important thing are the events after Sarfang dies with Thrall. The fact that they lift up his body and they bring him into Orgrimmar, they lay him down uh, in the Valley of Strength, which is super appropriate. Um, he gives a rousing speech about you know what has happened, what he gave his life for, and, all, and everything else. But after that, there's this interaction, uh, and if it's not part of the war campaign, it's just if you're in Orgrimmar, and it's between Thrall and Overlord uh, Gera. And Thrall's sitting on the bridge that expands between uh, the towers at the top of the valley of, uh, that look over the Valley of Strength. Yeah. And he's just sitting there. And every, I think it's like 20 minutes or so, like the, it's the like scene plays minutes, out. 20
0: minutes, half hour, something like that. Yeah, yeah. something
1: like that. Uh, but you have Overlord and her retainers coming from the Zeppelin Tower uh, they're discussing everything that happened, and you got to keep in mind, Gera is essentially alternate universe thrall, so it's really weird. But there's this point, point where she crosses the bridge, and they talk, and they have sort of like this interaction. And some of the statements are, you know, just talking about keeping an eye out for Sylvanas, talking about how she was a strong war chief, but she did whatever it was to achieve victory, but she only fought for herself and. Use. we were nothing to her. She abandoned her own people. And these are statements that I think also sort of apply to Thrall in recent years. Which yeah, is it's, sort of interesting. It's,
0: she's not saying that directly to Thrall. She's kind of saying that to her soldiers. Mm-hmm. And when they walk by, all they do They acknowledge each other. Yeah. She but says Goel and he says Gayara, and then they keep right on walking. But he's listening to all of this, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, but I mean it's 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 just very interesting that the choice of scripting there is, you know fought for herself you know that was the whole garrosh him killing garrosh thing abandon her own people disappearing to outland a great leader must have more than strength they must be true to their people they must live and die for them and it's one of those things where it's like these are just hammering home those points that thrall Thrall, done screwed up and i i sort of appreciate that uh and i'm curious what his role is going to be now because i don't think he's going to come back as any sort of war chief i don't think it can be called war chief anymore uh I, that's I actually
0: know. one of the questions that I had for you guys, given everything that happened in the wake of everything that happened and even, you know, the stuff that Saurfang said and that kind of thing. Do you think the Horde is going to have a new Warchief or do you think they're going to call it something else now?
1: I personally think we're going to see a council of some type because what? I don't. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I just don't think any of the characters that could do it want it.
0: Yeah. I can't see Bane Bloodhoof taking that title and being comfortable with it.
1: I don't think Lothar Mar would want it either.
0: What about you, Rossi?
2: What do you think? Um, well, first off, Gaiara is not Ultimate Universe Thrall. She's his sister. Um, she may be his sister from a different timeline where he didn't get born. But nevertheless, she's his sister, not his alternate self. They were born at different times. They aren't living the same life. They're, they're, sister, they're siblings. I will die on that hill.
1: <laughs> I, I will die on that hill. I will respectfully disagree, but continue.
2: <laughs> oh, you, you, you're you, wrong. Sorry. Um, but um, to get back to what you're actually asking, I don't know because I think it would be a good sign of progress for the Horde to abandon the Warchief title. I think that's a, a really big sign of breaking the cycle to a degree. Um, and at this point, Warchief has become the defense of the dark arts position. Since Thrall stopped being Warchief, we've had Garrosh, we've had Vuljin, we've had Sylvanas, Nobody stays in this job too, too, too long. You know what I mean? It's, it's got, it's a lot of problems. Either they overreach themselves or they end, they end up dead. Either way, it's not looking good for this job. It's almost like at this point going to a haunted house to take that title. So I think both for like just pragmatic reasons and for the fact that it's, it would be a good breaking of the cycle to abandon it. So I would like to see that happen. That doesn't mean it will happen. And if they chose, they could certainly have Bane take the job. Or can, I,
0: can I just interject for a moment here and say, you know, unrelated to everything else, I know that uh, Chris Matson isn't with Blizzard anymore, technically, like he's not in any role or anything like that. But man, it was good to hear his voice again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, to go back to like, I didn't actually get to talk about Thrall. So I'm
2: going to go back for a second. Go for it. Go for it. What, one of the things that, that's interesting is how Thrall has kind of matured into a role where he can... There's a bit where... Uh, I can't remember his name, Zappy Boy. I can't remember the guy the character's name. Uh, he comes running up, and Thrall just puts out a hand and stops him. And when Sarfang has died, when he has, you know, he's dead, and they're picking him up, and he's like, what do, what do we do now? And Thrall just says, we take him home. And it feels like Thrall has actually matured into a leadership role, finally. Mm-hmm. He's actually... When he was when he freed his people, he was a leader, but he was a leader who who acted out of like youthful zeal. You know, he was angry, and he he had been through a lot, and he took up the role because nobody else was doing it. Um, Doomhammer wasn't doing it, Grom wasn't doing it, and he, he served as a goad and a spur to get them to, to move, even when it cost Doomhammer his death. You know, he was it was because Thrall got them to move he's now lived long enough and been through enough and seen enough that he now kind of understands the other side of it. He understands the cost. And you see that when he's, you know, he hands Sarfang his ax. He's like, here, you know, take it. And that's the other weapon that he uses when, during that fight is he uses a th- he has Seral's ax in one hand and he has a uh, Varian sword in the other. And he's finally put himself into place i don't it's the right only way I can think to put it before he didn't know who he was he's
0: kind of grounded himself yeah. in his identity,
2: he, yeah, he knows who he is. He went you know for all that you know that we say that we all ran away, his time away has allowed him to look at who he actually is. He went and lived in in outland he went and lived in the like his ancestors would have he He raised two children he's got two children there he's got a wife there he lived. As a man, for lack of a better word, as an orc, whatever, he lived as an orc. He lived just as a person. And he knows the costs so much better now. I don't think this thrall would have settled them in a desert. And that's one of the biggest problems is he went and settled them in a desert. And as as people, as as Garage pointed out to him, nothing grows here. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that? you're going to settle us somewhere settle them somewhere where they can get food so many of the problems that, that happened between the horde and the alliance afterwards are the fact that there's no trees and no food you couldn't build a city and you couldn't grow anything to eat there so you ended up having to take it from elsewhere where else were you going to get it it's not like the alliance was going to give it to you and i think he's in a position where if they were going to have the war chief title thrall could do it thrall could be their leader but I don't think he wants to. I think when he said to Sarfang is what he still feels. When he says, I will not lead the Horde. He can be there for the Horde, but he's not going to lead it. And I don't think anyone wants to be Warchief. I think yeah. it's it's not even a title that, that elves have. So the Blood Elves are like, yeah, no, okay. Uh, Bane has a lot tied up in what happened to his father. He's not haunted by it, and he's not, you know, it doesn't drive him... Or or obsess him, but it's part of him. That title and those traditions are what killed his dad. He's not gonna just strap himself into them. So, I feel like this thrall is wise enough to recognize that that his people have changed. That for one thing, I think we've all said this. Um, this is not the orcs and their buddies anymore. Mm-hmm. This is not you know orcs and then you know other dudes in the sidecar. The orcs are one out of a great many people. There are probably just as many forsaken in Orgrimmar right now as there are orcs.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they got nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah, if
2: if not more of them. Um, And I think that's why it was so important that it was a forsaken that turned and looked at Sylvanas when she said, you know, the Horde is nothing. You are all nothing. Because when she said, you are all nothing, she means everybody. And that's important. because. The, and I think we're seeing, like, the stuff you see after the, the post, Sylvanas leaves, Sarfang dies, parts. Where um, one of the ones I've seen is Lady Liadrin shows up in 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 Orgamar with like a a Blood Knight entourage. Yeah, and she's like, "Remember, we're here to patrol the city. We're we're here to, you know, you're not here to fight with the, the, the those who serve Sylvanas. That's not what you're here for. We're here to patrol the city and keep the order. There's no War Chief, and Nizoth is still out there somewhere. So you are to keep the peace." And I think that's. Thrall's role is going to be along those lines. Thrall is here to help. He's not here to lead or rule. He's here to help. So that's why I think we're definitely not going to see a typical war chief come back. I don't. I think the title war chief implies that you're only the, you're the leader for war, mm-hmm. and it's like it comes from the old horde because the old horde needed a justification. But remember, the original war chief position that the old horde used was descended from the time when they were fighting the ogres and they wiped out the ogre city and said nope we're never doing this again this was too much so i think they're going to thrall's in tune enough with himself i think they're going to they're going to do away with that position and i think Thrall's going to be instrumental in it
0: i think what i find interesting about thrall is that he represents and in his leadership initially he represented this is why I found Saurfang's speech to Anduin so interesting because Saurfang went into what the Horde actually was and who they were and what they were founded on and the history of it and all of that right Thrall wasn't there for any of that Thrall was born and raised in a a human encampment by humans he was taught to read by humans he was taught the concept of honor by a human he he had a human that he viewed as as a sister in in taratha and when he came out of that and when he broke out of that he went looking for orcs to learn more about who he was and who did he talk to who was the first orc he found and had a long conversation with i mean thinking about grom yeah it was Grom, and what did Grom tell him? Grom told him all these glorious stories about the Horde and everything that happened with it and how it fell and all this other stuff, and Thrall took it, and he he didn't... I don't think that Thrall understood, and I feel like Grom probably, in a way, was probably upscaling everything that happened because Grom was very much about, you know, the mm-hmm. whole bloodthirst thing and the whole... Yeah, all of that. He was about all of that. So Thrall had this really kind of almost idyllic picture of what the horde was. And that's what he was building when he was mm-hmm. setting those people free from the internment caps. And that was what he was building. And when he went to Kalimdor, they landed on Calumdor and he planted the flag and said, Here's where the horde's going to be because this is the first place we landed on. And he wasn't thinking about Well, well We need I mean, to grow think- we need to grow plants or we need to do all this other stuff. He was thinking, all right, I've guided the horde here, and we're going to land here, and we're going to establish ourselves here, and we're going to be great without really understanding anything that came with it and why would he, given his background and given mm-hmm. his upbringing, how would he even understand any of this stuff? So like thrall in a way thrall's thrall's role as as war chief of the horde, it was almost like him playing dress up. <laughs> Kind of, in some ways, because everything that he tried to do was stuff that he thought was, like, good ideas, but it wasn't necessarily stuff that the Horde would do. So, like, when he's trying to make peace with Jaina and all of that, and they're trying to make diplomacy happen, that's unheard of to the rest of the Orcs. It's, it's... Unfathomable. Why would you do that? That that's not how the horde works. That why are you saying that's how the horde works? And that's why when he found Garrosh, he found Garrosh, and he gave Garrosh this oh, totally blown up story about his father and how his father died with honor and all this other stuff and ended the curse and everything else. And then he took Garrosh and he brought him back to Orgrimmar and expected him to follow along in Thrall's footsteps when that just was not going to happen, ever. And I think that that's something that Thrall has been coming to terms with. It's really interesting to me, you know, I keep going back to that conversation that he and Jaina had after they broke Bane out. In that conversation, when he's talking about things, Jaina's relating to it, because a lot of what he's talking about, about blaming himself for everything that's going on, It it rings true with Jaina too Because that's the kind of thing that she's felt For years and years and years But it's also Thrall kind of coming to terms With what he Did when he broke them Out of and it wasn't just like Leaving the title of war chief To Garrosh it was The entire span of His reign as war chief That he's looking at and coming to Terms with because he, he Didn't really do it right And when he found out he didn't do it right he went to Outland he went back to Nagrand why would he go back to Nagrand he was never from Nagrand he was born on Azeroth so yeah I I find Thrall's journey in particular kind of fascinating and I don't know if we'll see him step up into a leadership role but I think they made it pretty clear here that he's not going to be completely out of the picture and absent anymore and I like that I like that a lot. I like that direction for him. Um, but we're going to move on here because I want to talk about the Alliance side of things. Specifically, what happens after you finish the whole funeral and everything else um, on the Alliance side and you go back because Jaina decides that she's going to pay a visit to two very interesting and influential people that maybe have more influence than we realized um calia menethil and jaina's brother Derek proudmore dang it
2: i was so hoping you wouldn't say who it was so i could swap in
0: a cadgar and magni joke but okay. cadgar <laughs> magni bronze beard no <laughs> she she goes to meet uh she goes to meet up with calia and she goes up to meet and she goes to meet up with Derek, and they have a little conversation and rossi do you want to talk about that did you finish that part of it oh yeah i know what happens
2: okay um Essentially what happens is we find out where Derek Proudmore has been this whole time. Uh, and it is, I, I think a lot of us knew that's where it was going to be. We pretty much, assi- when Gina
0: said, I have a friend who can help you out. We pretty much assumed mm-hmm. it was going to be Galia, Cause yeah. yeah.
2: But this is Calia's first actual appearance in game since she died and came back. So it, it's, it's still cool to see her. And uh, Derek seems much better off. And if Sylvanas has got hooks into his brain, they don't seem to be working at the moment. We don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe like she'll show up and say his code word no, and tell me insuring candidate on us. But for right now, uh he seems to be more in control of himself. And uh Jaina's Jaina even comments on it and they have they have a nice talk about per- perhaps they could then help others. They don't say straight up, Maybe you could help the Forsaken. Uh but they do they do hint heavily that kalia could do more than just And Kalia's
0: really hesitant about it too because she's like i barely understand what's going on myself Mm -hmm.
2: yeah exactly but uh jaina hints that you know kalia might have a greater role to play in the future and uh derek is like you know if we can help maybe we should but you know i i don't know i i wouldn't be anywhere without kalia and kalia's like oh you did more of the work than you think i i was just i just helped so it's a nice conversation it's simultaneously low-key and extremely high-key in that they don't say much like they don't actually say much of anything in terms of what's going to happen in the future kalia is not like to lordaeron or anything like that for one thing there's no forsaken there they're all all norgramar so she would be going to the wrong place but i mean there's there's no nothing concrete but a lot of possibility there's a lot of what does this mean? What's gonna mean? What's what is Kalia gonna end up doing in the future? What's Derek going to do in the future? Is Derek gonna be like her, her Nathanos?
0: Can I just uh. say for the record that I think it's kinda interesting that we had Jaina Proudmore hooked up with Arthas and they were gonna get married and then they didn't, but now Kalia and Derek seem to be spending a lot of time together and yes, they're both dead, but there there's like Yeah it seems like kind of poetic that the two of them are dying. They are from the same age they are from the same kind of background they do understand like they're both from that time period where Lordaeron was still Lordaeron and Kul was still you know under the house of Proudmore, all of that other stuff and you know the second war was going on <sighs> yeah I
2: Jane is a little younger than Kalia yeah uh, but they she and Calia were friends because you know you hung out with people yeah. Of your station, and there just weren't that many people of their station. Plus, you know, Jaina was with. dating her brother, so yeah. So there's a, there's an interesting truth to that fact that you know Derek would be of he'd be a little older than than Calia, but he's in the same basic age group. So yeah, they would have known each other, or at least of each other, and I'm sure they would have met occasionally since you know Derek would have made the trip over a few times, especially when they were actually part they were actually fighting during the war. Then definitely there would have been possibility for some contact before Derek died. What's also interesting is that Derek has also got a huge amount of missing time. Yes. In that he died during the second war and has only recently been raised. Whereas Kalia lived through it all. So she can explain to him, she can give him the context that he's lacking. So there's there's a lot there's a lot going on here. Um I'm not sure. That's the Again, interesting
0: part about Derek is because what you don't realize and you kinda of have to put it in perspective, is that Everything that happened between the Second War and now, Derek doesn't know about. So everything that happened with the Third War, the formation of the new Horde, everything that happened in World of Warcraft Vanilla expansion, and every expansion since, this is all stuff that Derek does not know about. It's a lot. A lot has happened. (laughs) Last time Derek Proudmoore even
2: heard about Sylvanas Windrunner, she was like a powerful figure amongst she was a the ranger high general elves.
0: she was a ranger yeah. general in the high elves and and that's yeah that's probably the last he heard about her um so a lot of stuff Smyris, happened. wasn't he
2: wasn't he a human ranger he didn't Just experience the, the plague
0: he didn't know what happened to arthas he didn't know mm-hmm. what happened to lord he didn't know like none of this all of this was stuff that happened after he died um So, yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating in a way to look at what I do want to actually, Joe, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I'm sorry.
1: No, no, that's okay. The the only thing I was going to say is I just found out today that Horde players can actually experience. That's what I was.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to go to. Um, Yeah.
1: Which I think is interesting because it's Lillian Voss who gives you a quest to go eavesdrop.
0: You, you go, yeah, you talk to Lillian, and Lillian sends you to go eavesdrop. She says there's, like, an important meeting going on, and maybe we should know what's going on with it. What's really telling, though, is when you go back to Lillian after you've witnessed this stuff and fill her in on what's going on, Lillian says something like, I have to go. There are things that I need to really quickly take care of. And she doesn't specify anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lillian's an intriguing character in and of herself, just even going all the way back to her origins, like she was originally part of the Scarlet Crusade and when she was raised, she freaked out and ran. Um, didn't swear herself to Sylvanas at all. Um, was more interested in looking at what was going on in the Plague Lands and how she could resolve that. Wasn't really interested in her place in the Forsaken until recently. But even throughout the whole war campaign, didn't really seem to be on Sylvanus's side so much as working kind of adjacent to her while giving the appearance that she's on Sylvanus's side because we all know what happens to people who are not on Sylvanus's side in the Forsaken. We saw it in Before the Storm. So I guess what I want to talk about here, though, is do we think that this is a possibility of Calia and Derek coming to lead the Forsaken?
1: Maybe. Um I know that a lot of people think that this is a ship that's about to set sail, uh, that Twitter made that very, very clear to me. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I think, I think Kalia is still the most likely to show up in that role. I don't know about Derek. I don't know if, because like Rossi pointed out, we don't know if there's programming in place or if there's something that like wormed its way into his, you know, undead brain meats uh, that is waiting to manage your candidate at some point. We don't know. Um, but, to
0: be clear when I say co-lead I mean co-lead in terms of Kelly is going to be the leader and but I think he'll Derek's be the kinda, Thanos. Yeah, Derek's kind of there as like advisory capacity someone she can talk to that sort maybe not like somebody she's going to get married to because that would be weird because they're both dead or undead however make, that works would, but yeah.
1: It would make sense from a like a a, a standard fantasy or medieval faction standpoint where you have the person who's good at politicking and keeping people together and then you have the person who is military trained who understands combat at least to a certain degree uh even if it is ancient uh knowledge that he has at this point that's still it's not
2: ancient it's only 20 years old people still fight the same way
1: yeah, still... yeah. but I was, I was gonna say i was gonna bring that up i was gonna say like it's still combat it's still not tactical super, training super, yeah so maybe uh, this could possibly be the beginning of that um i don't know like i my question to you guys because i haven't done this i know on the horde side i spent a lot of time talking to the npcs after all the stuff was done did either of you do that with like after these cutscenes and everything with the npcs in that area for the alliance side is there anything of note that any of them say
2: yeah but a lot of it is stuff that we, we won't be talking about till next week
1: okay
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely stuff there that is said and we will be talking about that next week. I would like to say for the record that I spent a hot minute looking for either Alaria or Verisa after seeing them in. Where was it? They were in uh, Razor Hill and then they kind of disappeared. And I was trying to find them after the cinematic finished and see if I could talk to them. But they were nowhere to be found. Um which is kind of unfortunate, but the two of them made it pretty pretty clear where they stood in Razor Hill. Um, they, well, Alaria in particular, because Alaria is familiar with the Void, obviously. Um, her opinion, when when she gave it, was that we we freed Nazoth. Let's just flat out say that at the end of the Eternal Palace, we freed Nazoth. We freed an old god, and that old god is now free to do whatever the heck he wants to do. And we don't know what that's going to be yet. But Alaria makes a very valid point. She said the army on the other side of that gate may be the only army that's capable of taking on Nizoth and winning. So maybe we should let her do it. And Anduin says, no, we're, we're taking care of this now. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing this now. Um... And honestly, with what Saurfang did, we have that army now. We we have that army. So that's, that's not a bad thing or anything. But it also makes me wonder what they thought about Sylvanas taking off and that kind of thing. Um, Should
2: we talk about that? Because there is still one more thing we haven't discussed. And that's what happens to Sylvanas after.
0: Yeah. Uh, I do want to kind of briefly go back to Kalia, though. Kalia and Derek. Because I think that Kalia is... Not only is she the most likely new leader of the Forsaken, but she's also the most logical one because she was part of the royal family when they were still alive. And now they're not alive anymore, and neither is she. But it's still a banner for them to collect under, and it's a banner that's probably a lot more appealing than Sylvanas's, because it's not about vengeance. It's not about anything else. It's about embracing who you were. Um, And we saw a lot of that again in Before the Storm. There was a faction of people who were very interested in that very thing. And now it feels like that's something that could be openly encouraged. And I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but I keep going back to this whole, they're going to, they're going to remove the faction divide. And Everything I see is kind of pointing to it. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but it feels like it's a possibility. But yeah, let's move on and let's talk about Sylvanas because she does make her escape in that big, huge, beautiful rendered cinematic, but players who were loyal to Sylvanas, who went through and actually like reported everything that was going on to her, they get an additional piece of scenery where they get to go to Windrunner Spire and that's where Sylvanas has gone and Nathanos is with her. And yeah, Rossi, I'll let you talk about that. Go ahead.
2: Well, first up, um, for those of you who have been writing your Nathanos, Sylvanas fanfic all these years, you have been officially validated in game. Because when you, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you get there... That um, ship is sailing officially. Yeah. When you get there, Sylvanas is giving orders to Nathanos what he should be doing next. And you, you missed it. You don't actually hear it. But he, she's like, you know... Take care, Nathanos. And she says Nathanos very differently. She she does a different inflection. But he straight out responds, you know, safe journey, my love. So he just straight out calls her my love. So uh, if he was ever at a point where he couldn't express those emotions, he now can, and he does. He straight up calls her my love. And considering how much I want to step on Nathanos' face until his brains are paced. <laughs> Uh I was actually surprised at how well the, the actor did that. So he sounded genuine, not snarky, uh heartfelt and, and sad that he was leaving her to, to go do something else. So that's yeah. all that's all great. Then you get to take a little tour up Windrunner Spire with Sylvanas while she's she thanks you for your service essentially, whilst basically telling you to your face that she does not intend for anybody to survive this. That you know, she made a deal with Ashara. By the way, remember I called that. I said that she would made a deal with Ashara, and you guys are yeah. like, maybe she doesn't. No, nope, she did. Yeah, Strip says I made a deal yep. with Ashara, and no, that could still we, work.
0: I mean, we discussed that in in detail and kind of came. I'm to talking that same to everybody, not just yeah. you. Oh, okay. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But you get to that point,
2: and she's like, "Yes, the deal I made with Ashara could still work. Nazoth is coming, and even the old god is a servant to death." Like, you know, yeah he'll fight he'll fight the forces of the he will fight the forces the united forces of azeroth and, and leave their bodies in the streets yes yeah. and more will die and they will leave their bodies in the streets for me And in the end they all serve death because nothing lasts and she's basically telling you right to your face yeah you you too you're gonna end up dead you you have no thank you for matters. your service you going to die yep <laughs> and so that's the you know if you're wondering how your sylvanas loyalist then goes back to the horde probably like i got nowhere else to go i better get back there before they find out i worked for her uh but yeah so so you you find out that she does have some sort of plan all the deaths from this war were part of that plan like she yep. she even says you know that their you know their sacrifice has you know has served well but so there's a lot going on here a lot with sylvanas you know we don't know exactly what she has planned but clearly she has something planned and what's really interesting is we don't know what happened to zalath yep she, she doesn't use it in the duel
0: and we don't see
2: it after there were a the lot
0: duel. of people asking if she was using Xalatath in the duel specifically because the cuts on sourfang were like bleeding void energy or whatever that was that's the thing is it's not void energy it's, not, it's, the same. And her black it's, it's the same
1: thing as her Black Arrow.
0: It's like yeah. necrotic stuff. But the you thing is, it's like it wasn't
2: Zalatath that she was using. No, no, it's not. But if you look at her, the stuff coming off her just before she fights him, it's the exact same stuff as when she bursts into Banshee form in the original cinematic mm-hmm. and then comes, recoalesces and screams for the horde. That's what's leaking off of her. And that's what she hits him with to kill him. It's, it's all like, it's like death energy. It's like, it's like the shadowy death magic that we've seen. Fun from the story.
0: Beginning. After you finish the stuff on the Horde side, Lorthmar is talking to um, Thalysra and they're trying to figure out what magic it was that Sylvanas used because neither of them have seen anything like it before in their lives. Actually, Jaina asks him. Oh, okay. Jaina says, Jaina it's turns Jana to- Yeah. Okay. It's Jaina. Jaina turns to Lorthamar and she says to
2: Lorthamar, "What was that?" And he goes, "I was going to ask you." Yeah. And then Telistor's like, "Yeah, I couldn't even sense it when she was doing it."
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: And that's telling that they couldn't even sense it while they were watching her do it. That wasn't void magic. Nope. They know what void magic is. Yep. They, they the thing is is they know what necromancy is too. So. But what, what is it?
1: so I mean like this this started getting me like into all sorts of questions too and like started making me think about things that we talked about in the past like we still going back like Sylvana seems to be cutting a lot of deals right but there's still one that I think may be the one that started all of it and it's, it's we still don't know the deal she made with Hellia. yeah Helia, who is essentially for all intents and purposes a goddess of death
0: and right? she's not dead Helia isn't dead dead if you go do the island expeditions you get a thing that you take out there and they say oh yeah no she's not dead
1: yep i mean and it's so it's it's interesting like is this something that's been set in motion that long ago is that something that we're just now starting to see the repercussions from is this the power that she got because even in her battle with with gen Greymane, there were shades of this happening so i'm curious i'm curious if we're going to see helia's triumphant return to feed off of all of the death that'll be waged and that's why they don't know this power cuz it's not necessarily necromantic power is right is she
0: trying to set helia free
1: maybe but i mean going back to the power thing like helia's not entirely like a she's not a void entity right she originally started as essentially the lineage of titan constructs yeah, yeah she's right? a titan forged yeah so What if this is that sort of Void Titan thing that we've always talked about? What happens to Titan energy when it gets that corrupted by the Void? Or that willfully corrupted by the Void? Maybe that's why nobody knows what it is, because it's not Void energy. Titan energy. It's not arcane energy. It's not Necrotic energy. It's something completely different. Something nobody has experienced before on this material.
0: And you know who probably knows a little bit more about it? Our favorite Pokemon master. That narrows it down. Odin. Odin. Odin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because he made her,
1: he did. And after I feel he traded like... his eyeball, and he sealed her. her. Yeah. After he traded like... his eyeball to something, you're right. Yeah. yeah.
0: In the Shadowlands, I I feel like I feel like Helia and Sylvanus would probably get along on a level that we haven't seen before, too, just because of the nature of who they are and how they came to be. And oh yeah, Sylvanas, their backgrounds are so similar. Sylvanus had her life taken from her. Helia had hers taken from her. Neither one of them willingly.
1: Forced into servitude.
0: Forced into servitude. And, and done death
2: by and, a powerful um, male figure.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot of levels there that they can, like, identify on. So yeah, I'm not... Here's
2: something that you guys just made me
0: think of. Okay, go for it. You're not
2: supposed to kill an old god because it can unleash untold horrors, right? Mm-hmm. But what actually happens to the old god when you kill it? We got the Shaw. No, 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 no. That's what happened to everything around the Old God. Ah. What happens to the Old God Hmm. when you kill something that isn't supposed to exist in the first place? Where does it go? Does it go anywhere? Does it go to the Shadowlands? Can the Shadowlands hold it?
0: I mean, specifically, Yasharaj was dead, but his heart was still there and still capable of funneling power to garrosh and having chats yeah, and all until, that other stuff
2: until the heart got finally dissolved but yeah again that's not that's not the entity that's its remains does it go back to the void what, i don't think it we talked
1: about this before it's so far like transmuted or mutated from a pure void creation can it i just thinking about this in terms of what happens
2: there's that old there's that old Lovecraftian saying, that is not dead, which can eternal lie, and with strange eons, even death may die. What happens to a thing that is literally from outside our reality when you kill it? Can it die? If it does die, what does that mean to it? Because we've seen what death can mean to just mortals. Yeah. Mortals can endure past death. Mm-hmm. Look at Arthas' whole thing is, I saw nothing but darkness. But he saw it. He experienced it. You know, there's... If mortal beings that are just, you know, were created and then, you know, curse of flesh and then they die and they can, their ghosts can exist and endure. What about an old god? And what happens after, if you keep in mind, Ysraj died before the ordering of Azeroth. And before Helia was even a thing. Yeah. And who knows what it was that Odin spoke to. And why did it want an eye so bad? Which is one of those things so you're that the thinking, gods love
1: you're thinking that maybe the Shadowlands is what was created at the the Yas, the Asuraj's first death or and the creator or the creator and then the the uh, entity that's there might be the leftover remnants of it well I mean
2: it might you know it might not be, but it's certainly in fact it, it's very possible it's not but i mean even if even if it's not your Shraj itself, it could be the wound you inflict when you kill something that isn't supposed to die. Because I like that the theory azeroth, azeroth had to experience this the absence azeroth, of existence Azeroth had to experience all this stuff that made the uh the the emerald dream possible. The emerald dream is like all tied together with azeroth it's Everything that Azeroth can possibly be, it's its potentiality, it's nature, it's life. It's Which all is really
0: things. weird because when you look at the Void and the Void is like a place of where every possibility is truth and every possibility could be, the Emerald Dream is almost kind of like a reflection of that.
2: Kind of, and that's probably why the Void had such an easy time getting into it. With the but, Emerald And staying nightmare. there for so long, yeah. And the Shadowlands, however, are... What if you have a nascent titan? And you force it to see the death of something like that. Ooh, you've got the and not just see it, but the thing was part of it. That that symbiotic necrophagic entity that was not necrophagic. Sorry, uh, lightphagic. I forget the word they use. Photophagic or something. That entity was in Azeroth. It was mm-hmm. buried in deep, and he came along and he plucked it out. He ripped it out of Azeroth and he wounded it. So now you've got a wounded child. Not even a child yet. It's still not even born. You've wounded it terribly, and you've forced it to undergo, like, it would have experienced that death. And now, just as its dreams are going to be, like, places of of life and possibility and things happening, what are its nightmares? Because the Emerald Nightmare isn't Azeroth's nightmares. No. It's an old god infecting it. So what is what do you do with the trauma? What does Azeroth's trauma look like? Dissociative identity death? disorder
1: at an Azerothian scale?
2: Or maybe just the very
0: fact Planetary that Planetary Dissociative Identity Disorder.
1: Well, no, because, I mean, so...
0: No, Rossi but it makes sense. It, like it, a fra- like yeah. that
1: big of a trauma causing that sort of fracture, that may have been the cause of the creation of the Shadowlands.
2: And for all that Sylvanas is clearly got her own agenda she's never she's not lying when she says these things when she says you're all nothing you know everything ends nothing
0: lasts these are true statements tin soldiers and little
2: yeah when she says that everything ends and that nothing lasts she's not lying she's not just cackling malevolently she went through it and she so saw Ashley. yeah and she saw it again when she you know, she died on top of of Ice Crown, when she lost her vengeance. Think about having that as your sole motivation, and then you lose it and you need to try to find something else. And you witness what comes after death. And she even says when she's on the spire, she even says to the to the horde player, she says, I, I sincerely wanted to help them when she's talking about the Forsaken. I I, I yeah. felt for them.
0: She didn't want them to go to the same place that
2: she did. And there's just this there's something going on here. Like there has been all expansion. Death has been the, the between the uh the Drust and Thros and the Death Gods and you know samdi and all of it. Death and death entities have been from the beginning dealing with us, playing with us. You know, Helia certainly is a pretty including good candidate. Including the Lich King. Yes. And Helya is certainly a good candidate for being involved in this, but I don't think Helya is the end game. I think whatever took the eye in exchange for power did so to deliberately set up something like helia helia was its goal and whatever it is I feel is...
0: like I also feel like um that whole exchange of eyes thing you said he took odin's eye why and i feel like while odin was busy peering into that world it was busy peering into ours
2: Yeah, that certainly does seem to be one possibility, absolutely.
0: And watching what was going on on a clinical level, almost. Watching all the toy soldiers in Tin Plate. It's interesting, and it's definitely something to chew on and think about. We are running over time here, though, so we need to actually, like, wrap things up, but we will be back next week. Um, If you have an email for the show, can't guarantee that we're going to get to it next week because we still have a lot to talk about, but if you have an email for the show... (laughs) <laughs> All right. If you have an email for the show, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and be sure to put Lore Watcher in the subject line so that we know that it's for the show. Alternatively, there is a Q and podcast questions channel on our Discord. You can get to the Discord, ask your question there, make sure that you specify that it is for lore watch so that we know that it's for the show Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience and also a weekly lore watch as it turns out. So um, final thoughts you guys just to go back a little bit to what we were talking about before do you think that calia would actually be a good candidate to lead the forsaken and if not her who else do you think would fit in that role joe
1: i mean i've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks i think ever since the book came out which by the way it's on sale uh christy golden tweeted that out you should go read before the storm it's great yes um I think she was always being groomed to take over that position because honestly, for all of the years that we've had the forsaken, they've never really had, I I don't want to say they haven't had structure because they've had structure, but it hasn't felt like somebody who actually cared about them. Even the desolate council, um, they cared, but they cared more about uh, not necessarily more, more about something other than the people, but it wasn't, The same thing that wasn't a singular person who they could look to and say this person understands what it's like to rule a kingdom of people and understands what it's like to be us uh in a specific way Kalia fills in all of those gaps she for the most part she's understood the devastation of the skirt she's seen the devastation uh, of the the life that the forsaken have to leave now She's most likely to be able to fill those gaps, give them hope, bring them together and walk them through from all of this hatred and dark path that they've been pushed on for all these years to we can we can heal these wounds. We can become a people again. We can not we don't have to be these rotting carcasses that sit inside of the hole in the ground. And I think that, yes, I think she's most likely to take over that role and bring some form of peace to the forsaken.
2: Okay, Rossi? Uh, all of that was great, but I'm thinking from a different perspective. The best possible outcome for the Forsaken in terms of effective leadership would be to have Calia take the lead, because everything Joe said is true enough. Have Derek as her right hand, and have Lillian Voss as her left hand. Yeah. And the reason you want to have Lillian Voss on your left hand is because if she's not at your left hand, she's probably working against you. She's going to stab you you in the back. (laughs) You don't want that. You do not want Lillian Voss working against you. She has messed up a lot of people. Um, And I think that it would be interesting to finally have, instead of just having Nathanos do everything the way he has been, he's just Sylvanas is always, and Sylvanas only had a left hand. He didn't have a right hand. I mean, she didn't have a a right hand to say, um maybe not having derek there to to serve more as a conscience type figure to say to be the guy who doesn't really understand the modern world but knows you know what he's experienced so you know i i went through that let's not let's not do that thing that that's kind of getting Sylvanasy. and to have lillian on the left hand saying okay this is the most expedient things so why don't i just go assassinate a few people and that'll be handled and i think that that would be a good triumvirate to lead the forsaken into the future failing that lillian voss should be in charge
0: I feel like the more I look at the Forsaken as a whole and who they were and how they've come to be where they are, the Forsaken are almost kind of a representation of the stages of grief. And they allied under Sylvanas, who took them through anger and vengeance and all of everything as far as they could go with that. And I feel like Callia is probably the best figure there to usher them into acceptance. So I really hope this is where we are leading um, and, and going towards, because I, I think it would spell some really interesting new things for the Forsaken. You have to realize that the Forsaken, when they, when they banded together under Sylvanas, it was a bunch of humans, it was the former citizens of Lordaeron, rallying under a High Elf High Ranger, or a High Elf, ranger general um she wasn't part of lordron she didn't know what that place meant to anybody she wasn't a citizen of the area she didn't know anything about its history but she very much wanted revenge on whoever it was that had done this stuff to her and everybody was really on board with that but i feel like particularly with before the storm we see the forsaken kind of reflecting on who they were before that and trying to come to terms with that. And I and I feel like Callie is probably the best option for that. And yeah, I would put Lillian as like a second place. But I like the idea of like a triumvirate between the three of them. Um, and we've seen that come into place before with like, you know, the dwarves. They have their council. So why not have something similar going on with the Forsaken? I don't know. I will
2: say one other thing. One other thing I want to say before we move on. Mm-hmm. So Sylvanas' entire reign as the Banshee Queen has been her asking a question. Yeah. What are we if we're not slaves to this torment? And they've never answered it. They've never answered what are we if not slaves to this Mm -hmm. torment. Kalia might have that answer, though. Sylvanas was never going to get to the beyond that part. She was never going to get to the not being slaves to this torment. But Kalia can and maybe with her they could get past it that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen because sometimes you miss an opportunity sometimes the wrong thing happens and sometimes bad stuff it follows that's pretty much the lesson of miss miss of things didn't go well um so maybe that'll be what happens this time we don't know but that would be what i'd like to see
0: all right well thank you guys as always for listening and we will see you again next week